Sometimes you lose, sometimes you win it. We all have days where we step right in it. Here's my own mistake. Welcome to My Own Mistake, a podcast about mistakes people make shared by the people who made them. You're your host, Stacey Kimball and Christy Spatterford. Hello, Christy. Hello, Stacy. <laughs> How, How are, are you? you today? I'm good. I'm actually very excited about today's podcast. Mm-hmm. I bet you are too. I am. I'm sorry. I was swallowing coffee oh. at an inopportune time, <laughs> but I am very excited <laughs> because our guest is awesome. I know. And, oh, I just have to say, um, not that we don't like, you know, the mouse around my house or anything. But she, 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 she was a Disney princess in a former life. So that's kind Several of Several Disney princesses. I know. It's very exciting. I believe. Yes. <laughs> Today's guest <laughs> is Christy. Go ahead. Elena Wiss. Yay. Hi. <laughs> and, Yay. and I'm hoping I'm saying your name correctly. You know, you did get it right. Okay. I'm immediately hot. So I'm already taking off layers so mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> let's get into it the kid gloves are coming off people to... <laughs> <laughs> i'm just trying to keep people engaged you know it's been all of 30 seconds i can already feel the audience tuning out just, so oh never no never. not with um, you but it's the danger of these little bitty boxes we work in I know, yeah exactly I know. i'm like looking at my thermostat it's already 74 degrees in here and i'm like please no I know. Just wait till you hit a certain time of life. And mm, it becomes yay. even more of a challenge. You worked in Hong Kong. Tell us about your two years before we get started on your mistake. Let's talk about Hong Kong and the mouse. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, um, I guess I should just start by saying that I think before the age of 22, if you ever spoke to me for more than five minutes, you would know that I always wanted to work for Disney. It was all I ever thought about, talked about um, ever since I was young, but especially after I like played my first Disney princess role in a musical when I was 16, I then realized, oh, wait a minute, there's a job for this and I have to do it or awesome. I will look back on my life and have regrets. So um it took me five years of auditioning um, over 20 times for different opportunities. And I finally got the offer from Hong Kong Disneyland. And it exceeded any and all expectations that I ever had for working for the company. Um, the show that I worked on was called Mickey and the Wondrous Book. And it's a 28-minute show that runs up to seven times a day. And uh, it's... You know, the, in the classic Disney review style, it's a show that attempts to put as many different Disney characters into a 28-minute spectacle as possible. So <laughs> it was really fun. And, uh, yeah, I spent my first year as a friend of Ariel and then my oh. second year um, subbing in that role and then full-time friend of Elsa and Rapunzel yeah. and got to do some uh, events as well, special events, emceeing, hosting, um we actually, my favorite thing that we did was we got to be a part of the media announcement for the new castle expansion. And so we performed on the castle stage. Uh-huh. And I'll never forget hearing our voices echo through Main Street USA. And <laughs> it was just a really special, uh, it was a special chapter for sure. It was awesome. Oh, how wonderful. How exciting. And living in Hong Kong. 
must have been yeah. exciting too. It was wonderful. There's so many things I loved about it. Um, the public transportation is always on time. It's clean. Mm. <laughs> it's so efficient. It's easy to get around. Um, being in a, a very metropolitan country, but then also having access to mountains and lagoons and hiking and all this stuff is, is very different for me coming from the Midwest of the USA. Sure. So mm-hmm. um, that was cool. And obviously, you know, Hong Kong is so close to so many other countries that uh, if I ever found out I had a three-day weekend, it would be like, okay, where am I flying to this weekend? Thailand or wow. the Philippines or where am I going? And it was just really easy to get around. So I did quite a bit of travel in Asia as well. Lucky uh, you. Well, talented you. You have to I was gonna say, not lucky. You worked hard to get that. So know, you <laughs> did work hard for that. So that's amazing. But I'm glad you got to have that experience. Oh, it's so, it's so enviable. <laughs> so enviable. But now... It is time for you to step under the Dome of Disclosure. <laughs> Christy, you've got to do your sound effect bum, bum, there. Bum. Thank yes, you. one okay. day I'll get an actual sound effect for that. <laughs> for now, you have that. <laughs> step um. under the Dome of Disclosure and tell us what <laughs> is your own mistake. Yeah, so I actually think this is a good segue from what we were just talking about because, so I went to school for musical theater um, and, you know, right after graduating was working in regional theater, working part-time jobs and also dabbling in voiceover and really didn't understand that voiceover was its own industry in and of itself. That was not part of my education at theater school. Um, There was one voiceover class offered and the acting majors always got first priority. So as a musical theater theater student, I wasn't able to take it. But somebody mentioned voiceover to me. And I thought, oh, that sounds like something that I could feasibly do. And so I just really started messing around and, um, you know, honestly working on Fiverr. And I, I didn't know anything about industry standard rates. I didn't know about coaching. I didn't know about demos. I didn't know anything about what voiceover was supposed to be. Um, and then I took that break to live in Hong Kong for two years. And be a full-time performer. And when I came back, I was like, you know, I've just been paid to be a full-time artist. I don't really want to go back to having three jobs and pursuing theater and voiceover at the same time and all this. So what if I make it my goal to be a full-time voice actor? Um, And I think I had a lot of hubris at that time. And I thought, well, I already have a musical theater degree, so I don't need voiceover training and I don't need a professional engineer to do my demo or any of this stuff. So I refused help for a really long time. And that was my mistake. Um, I think something that we hear a lot is like this fear-based thinking that if you make a mistake like that, like if you, for me, it was, you know, I did the classic um, homemade self-compiled demo reel out to agents and I think I heard a lot that if you if you do something like that you can never come back from it Mm -hmm. and um, there will be a blot on your name forever and you only get one chance to make a first impression and all of this Um, but at the time I was like well I'm not like everybody else you know I've I've had some engineering experience because my dad had audio engineering experience and so I knew how to put things together in GarageBand and I thought that was sufficient for making a demo reel like what's wrong with that what Mm -hmm. how could that not be enough I have real jobs that I've done so I'm gonna put those together and didn't realize that they didn't all sound the same because they were all mixed differently and um, 
I had two other voice actors listen to it and tell me they thought it was good. And I was like, okay, great. Then I'm sending it out to agents. And, (laughs) you know, I just, I was so disconnected. I really did not Mm -hmm. seek feedback because I didn't think I needed it. Um, And of course that resulted in zero bites and (laughs) zero interest from agents, Um, either no response at all or, um, you know, just the generic, we have too many people like you already, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Oh, that's always a challenge, isn't it? So what turned the tide for you, Elena? What was it that made you go, oh, wait a minute, this is what I need to be doing? Yeah. I mean, I think probably a lot of people have some version of this answer, but, you know, I was working in voiceover pre-COVID, but really when theater shut down and I didn't have Mm. that, and I was working, you know, equity theater, eight shows a week, and then our show closed a few days early because, you know, the world stopped on March 12th, 2020. Um, I was already set up to do voiceover, but I realized, oh, wait a minute, we might be in this for the long haul, and this might be my artistic outlet for a long Mm. time. So I better take this time to upskill to really get plugged in to get some formal coaching maybe now's the time to invest in the really expensive demo reel and try it again with the agents so I really at the time just thought of it like I think kind of how people are thinking of the strike like oh this is a time when things are slow so I can use this to do training and then I'll go back to work Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that that would really set off my career in a new trajectory where you know, voiceover would become my main focus and everything else would be sort of auxiliary. So, um, yeah, it was about, you know, summer 2020 or or late spring 2020. I started getting formal voiceover training and I had my first demo made. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this costs so much money. And then the day that I sent it out, I got three agent responses in one day and was like, oh, wow. So this is what everyone is doing. Okay, I understand. Okay. My bad, you know. Well, and you're pretty fabulous, too. So I can imagine they they heard the demo and went, ah, wow. Yeah, I mean, you've got acting chops for real. So um, that that will always stand out. Always stand out. I'm curious about how you feel about training and coaching. I mean, I know you have a degree in musical theater and you've toured Mm -hmm. and you've worked for Disney and all of these things. But what is it you do as a voiceover artist to keep your chops up, to keep yourself in shape? Yeah, I think, again, when I first graduated from theater school, I mean, I had been in school nonstop since preschool, right? So I was really over school. I wanted Mm -hmm. to work. And the idea of having just earned a degree and then having to do more classes Uh, as a barrier to entry to the voiceover industry was really off-putting for me. So I wanted to put it off as long as I could. And then after coming back from Hong Kong, um, you know, I'd been out of school for a couple of years at that point, and I started to crave education again, and I wanted to learn again. I was, like, in the right mindset for it, and I was no longer sort of overcome by the ego or the burnout of, of being in school all the time. I had had a taste of working and I wanted to find out what was standing in my way of doing other types of work. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I've been taking workshops. I've been taking technique classes. Um, Usually my approach is if I get an audition for something and I don't have a process for how to tackle that audition, that is a sign that I need to educate myself in that area. So I had my first performance capture 
audition a couple of weeks ago. Oh, wow. And I was going, wait, okay, so I've had two and a half years of on-camera training. I've had four years of theater training plus, you know, eight years working as a theater professional, you know, and many, many years doing community theater and educational theater before that. And I do voiceover, but I've never had this specific type of training before. So I Mm -hmm. don't know which elements from each of those mediums to put into this tape. Mm -hmm. So I sought out a specific coach to talk about what goes into a PCAP tape and how 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 much of the pie is voiceover and on camera and theater, because it's kind of all those things at the same Mm -hmm. time. Um, so that's just one example, but that's usually I try to find my weak spots and then tackle those with finding out who the expert or who an expert is mm-hmm. in those areas and ideally trying to take one-on-one time with them just so I can maximize my time. But if that's not possible, taking a, a weekend workshop or a class uh, is also something that I do pretty often. Mm-hmm. I would think that um, performance capture would be absolutely up your alley. I just think it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so too, but yeah. you know, I live in Illinois, so <laughs> <laughs> sometimes uh, those classes are difficult to find, but right. it's definitely on my list for maybe like a two-week trek out to LA to take a class and do some work out there, then come back. So I think that's great advice though, to look for the things that you don't know how to approach. Um, I know sometimes even I just get an audition and go, this isn't really up my alley, but maybe it could be. Um, and that will make me schedule another coaching session because I think I might like it, but I know that it's not in my abilities at the moment. So I think that's a great thing to be aware of. I really love that you talked about how a lot of people have this fear-based message of you can't come back from that kind of mistake. And I love that you say that hasn't been your experience because that hasn't been my experience either. I don't Mm -hmm. think most casting directors or agents have the time to keep a list of people who sent in bad demos (laughs) like who has the time or energy well and how many demos do they get why and why is that a why has that gotten a reputation as being a career ender you know you can't have a bad demo um but you you actually can (laughs) everybody's demos are bad yeah everyone's demos are bad in the beginning it's true you know even if you got somebody really amazing to produce it but you don't have a lot of skills or experience yet like Mm -hmm. they're not a wizard you know they can (laughs) they can make you sound as good as you are able to sound but they can't you know, do more than that. So I think, yeah, it's definitely the worst. I think the worst thing that will happen is they just delete your email and forget about it. And And probably the next time you come back with a better demo, they might not even recognize you, hopefully. So (laughs) I I don't think there's like this master list of names that anybody (laughs) keeps. But I remember hearing that when I first started out, too. Um, And I just can't fathom that anyone has the time or the interest in doing that. And I think people want you to succeed. They want you to do well. They do. That's what I was just going to say is people, nobody wants to, is cheering for bad. No no agent is sitting in his office or her office saying, oh, I hope I get six bad demos today. Right. You know, they don't want that. They want good demos. It's all a part of the learning curve, demos, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the most important things is to keep taking classes and get a workout group. Stay Mm -hmm. fresh with the trends, the current trends, because they change all the time. Those are the important things to focus on. mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think you have to enjoy doing it, too. You have to be enjoying the, the whole process. And having a community, I think, helps because I think I stayed out of classes for a long time, too, because I felt 
scared. I didn't want to be the only person I knew in class. I'm just sort of Mm -hmm. introverted in that way. But, um, you know, uh, I'm part of a discord where we have a whole channel on coaches and classes. And so you can very easily post there and say, hey, I'm taking this on Saturday. Who wants to join? Mm -hmm. And more than likely, somebody will jump in with you so you won't be alone. And then you can talk about it later and hold each other accountable. Now, remember that thing we learned in class? Like, let's make sure we're doing that in our auditions. So... Um, I think community is is kind of goes hand in hand with education in that way. What other advice would you give someone just starting out other than getting a good demo and taking classes? And yeah. you think it's worthy of, of people being afraid to get into or would you give someone new just say jump in and do it and take some classes? I think and... people need to be prepared that this isn't an this isn't just like a hobby. It's mm-hmm. not um, and it's also not a way to make overnight riches. I think a lot of people see the results of what we're doing from the outside. They see the fancy projects or the credits or, um, you know, that we're represented by agents and they think that that's all the, you know, the the end all be all. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you approach this like it's going to just give you the world and you're not willing to put an investment into it of your time, of your resources, of your training, then you will be disappointed. So I think it can be worth it to jump in if you're prepared to treat it like starting a business and really treating yourself like a beginner, even if you have adjacent skills. Because I think a lot of people coming into it from a theater background or another arts-related background, um, speaking on behalf of myself, because this is how I approached it as well, Um, We make the mistake of thinking that we already know everything because we've trained in another area. But Mm -hmm. you will very quickly find out that there's a lot to learn and 90 percent of it isn't even about the performance. It's about all of the business industry stuff. I think that's what scares people away when we start to talk about getting Mm -hmm. into voiceover. Um, And so... As long as you're prepared for that and you're willing to spend quite a bit of time listening and absorbing and doing research before making big moves, then, yeah, I think definitely try it out. I still I know it's cliche, but I still recommend taking class as one of your first steps Mm -hmm. because it is a rather low investment way of finding out if it's something you even like and you can pick Mm -hmm. a genre that you're interested in and um that can be a pretty good indication of if you even enjoy the best part of the job. If you don't enjoy that, you're definitely not go- not going to enjoy quoting and invoicing and, you know, direct <laughs> marketing and all of that, you know? Exactly. Where did you go for your first classes? I actually didn't take classes until I was deep into this because I just didn't think I needed them. So... Mm-hmm. Um, some of the advice that I'm giving is is more like what I wish I had done because I think that it would have helped oh. me like leapfrog myself, if that makes sense. I think mm-hmm. that I made things take longer for myself by refusing to take class. So the first class I took was actually last year, but I've been full time and running a six figure business for four years. So everyone's wow. path is wow. different. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and those adjacent skills and having a foundation of acting training really do help. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think I could have done what I did a lot faster if I had gotten plugged in earlier, for sure. And I think the feedback of colleagues is extremely valuable, Mm -hmm. too, those classes and those workshops. um, Conferences. Going to conferences Mm -hmm. is what kind of broke me into, oh, wait a minute, this isn't so scary. Taking classes isn't frightening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe it's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey, you know what? 
kids. It's, it's our time. It's, time is up. That went fast. Yeah, I know. We wow. Have to let Elena and I get feel like I could work. keep listening to you for another 20 minutes. I know. I could <laughs> too. You have so much. Oh, I had one more quick question I want to ask. Can I ask it? Stacy and I have talked about like the luxury of rejection in the voiceover world. Oh. Um, <laughs> As in, you just send these things off, and you never hear. Mm. In most, in, in my case, anyway, most of them I never hear back. I don't get a no, thank you, or a leave your resume and headshot on the piano or anything. <laughs> I just don't hear about it. <laughs> and after years of performing in bars and coffee houses or auditioning live for people, um, there's something kind of nice about the easy rejection that this business gets. I wondered, I mean, you had a lot of success in the theater world. Um, so I wondered kind of your thoughts on the difference, the different approaches. Yeah. And the different um, things. I think with a theater audition and callback process, I prefer to hear, okay, you've been released because there just is so much more of a time investment and an emotional investment yeah. into that that endeavor, you will often be preparing for weeks for a certain role and then trying to plan out the next six months of your life based upon whether or not you're going to be needed 50 hours a week somewhere. So I think mm -hmm. as a courtesy, like for a big time commitment, that's maybe a, a you know, a, a three to six month commitment. I would like to hear, you know, or, or tell my agents that, you know, we've released you. I think that's that's appropriate for mm -hmm. a long term gig like that. For voiceover, every audition is so ephemeral. Like, I'm doing 20 <laughs> auditions in a day. So mm -hmm. you, like, in fact, do not tell me. Do not tell me that I've been rejected right. because if I get an email, I'm going to go, oh, it's a job. And then it's like, unfortunately, we've decided to go with someone else. It's like, okay, that's very nice. But, like, don't, you know, you you got, like, all my butterflies in my stomach going and, and now. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yes. Let it go. Yeah, it go. I truly don't even think about it. After it's sent out, I'm on to mm -hmm. the next one. So that's how it has to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will yes. put all of your uh, information, your website, and all that into our what, Christy? Oh, she'll be good at this. Our show notes. Oh, into our show notes. Show notes. Which Gotta require jazz, jazz hands. Jazz when hands you do for show notes. notes. Oh. Okay, there See, we those go. are professional jazz hands. That Those are our professional <laughs> jazz hands. Right there. <laughs> four years of school for this, people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's all we did. <laughs> Elena, you're amazing. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. You're both amazing. Thanks, Elena. I appreciate you both so much. Thank you we for having me. We had a great me. time. Yeah. Oh, well, you're delightful. We'll have you back. Oh, I got plenty of mistakes, so that'll be easy. <laughs> Excellent. It's the best way to live. That's, that's so. it. Keep making All right. Them. Christy. Stacy, I'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to My Own Mistake with Christy Spadafore and Stacey Kimball. I'm Vince Yuri, and I hope that you'll join us next time to hear more stories about more mistakes. Mm -hmm.